This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of interviewing Dr. Amanika Kumar. She's in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology in Division of Gynecologic Oncology at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Amanika, it's a great pleasure having you. Thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you for letting me. Today we're going to talk about a really important topic in, uh, in the subject of enhanced recovery after surgery, um, intraoperative normothermia. And, and certainly this is uh, one of uh, many potential implications uh, on perioperative outcomes. Um, you recently completed an important study evaluating surgical normothermia as a two-phase quality improvement project. So we're really very interested in, in hearing from you about the, the details of the project and, and, uh, and certainly about the principle of, of normothermia. So I wanted to just start off by asking you, obviously we know that core body temperature plays a, a major role in surgery. Um, can you tell us briefly about some of the factors that lead to hypothermia in the operating room? And also, if you could just kind of expand on the secondary effects of intraoperative hypothermia. Yeah, absolutely. So um, normothermia is one of the inherent physiologic processes that our body uh, maintains. The, in the operating room, there's a lot of factors, especially for the kind of surgery we do, which is mostly abdominal surgery, that can lead to lower body temperatures. For one, we have sometimes long procedures with an open abdomen, and there's just loss of uh, heat through those open, the open abdomen or the open thorax. We also, uh, to maintain fluid balance, we give patients a lot of intravascular fluids and other products, and those are often quite cold, and those themselves can uh, decrease the patient's uh, temperature. And then finally, one of the... Um, things that can happen is the room. You know, we're working under some bright lights, and so our instinct is to cool, have the room a little cooler for our comfort and for the physicians and nurses working with the patient. Um, and so the room themselves can be quite cool. Uh, and all of this has led to patients having temperatures below what we call normothermia, around 36 degrees Celsius. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, you know, as you very much point out, we do so many things that are sort of like just routine and, and often forget about some, some of the, the very important principles that are impacting the outcomes of, of our patients. So tell us a little bit about the process of uh, thermal regulation. In, in other words, like how do, how do our bodies try to compensate despite of all these other things that we're doing to them? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. So uh, I think what enhanced recovery has taught us is really about maintaining normal physiology. And the body has remarkable mechanisms to maintain normal physiology despite the stressors and things that can happen to it. And the thermal system is no different. And really, the, a person maintains a very tight regulation over their body temperature through something called the hypothalamus, which is in the brain. And so when the hypothalamus uh, is notified basically through neural systems that the temperature in a person is either too low or too high, the uh, hypothalamus then sends signals back to get the temperature back to this normal window. So, for example, as you know, I think everyone knows, if the body needs to cool, you, your mechanisms include sweating, and that helps release um, 
fluid and evaporates and lowers the internal temperature. And then things like vasodilation. So, you know, if you can't get an IV on someone, we put a hot pack on their arm and that will make their veins kind of pop out. Or in the summer, you're outside and sweating, your veins are going to kind of pop out. And that's because of the vasodilation that occurs with heat. In the operating room where patients tend to be cool, we do the opposite. So we do we vasoconstrict, for example, so the vessels get smaller and it decreases blood flow to the skin and retains heat. Um, you also can do things like shiver. So if you're cold, your body shivers. And interestingly, you know, we think that anesthetics in our, uh, during surgery kind of blunts that shivering. And you can lead to um, other hormone productions and things to ha kind of increase the temperature under um, anesthesia. And we think that some of these, um, or we know that some of these kind of dysregulate and cause some issues with normal physiology. You can have this sort of hyperactive sympathetic system. You can have issues with clotting, um, which is obviously a big deal when you're talking about surgery. And so the idea of keeping a patient under a normal temperature is not just about just sort of maintaining physiology, but it's also that that maintenance of physiology will help with the stress response, platelet function, clotting, and uh, drug metabolism, lots of things that will help in getting through surgery. So it's amazing that the, the, the all of this complex cascade and how it impacts the the outcome. So obviously you you were you were interested in pursuing this question and and I read recently a, a, a very interesting study you published in the journal Gynecologic Oncology uh, titled "Improving the Rate of Surgical Normothermia in Gynecologic Surgery." Um, can you tell us a little bit about the the reason why you took this initiative? Yeah, I mean, so I think that. Um, in surgery, like you said, a lot of people do things in medicine that are just because of the way you do things. And again, enhanced recovery, as well as, you know, at Mayo Clinic and at lots of um, institutions, we have a large surgical quality and safety group. And we really work hard to examine what are our quote-unquote normal practices, what are the things that are evidence-based, and where are their gaps? And where are their gaps in quality? And how do we systematically improve these? And so this is a gap we noticed. I mean, it was something that I think we weren't paying very much attention to. And then when we started looking, partly because there were guidelines that were coming out nationally about decreasing surgical site infection and perioperative normothermia, we said, oh, what's happening with our um, patients? And we found this gap. We found that our patients were not maintaining intraoperative normothermia. And so we uh, realized that this is an important part of surgical outcomes in our surgical practice. And so we undertook this um, to say, how do we fix this gap in quality in our patients? And in that, in that uh, effort, you conducted what was uh, a study in, in two phases. There was a phase one and a, and a phase two. Can you tell us a little bit about each of those phases and, uh, and what was the um, initiative for phase one and, and what were some of the learning points from that initiative? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it's a good example, at least this process was a good example of how quality improvement is not just about one person trying to do something, but actually really getting all the stakeholders involved and coming about it from a multidisciplinary perspective. 
And so we started by saying, you know, we should use forced air warming blankets. Those have been shown and been used for a long time and have been effective. But there was some uh, variability on what case did you use it for, when did you use it, when do you not use it. And so we wanted to uh, kind of regulate and control the uh, use of forced air warming blankets for patients. And then we did something um, which seemed simple at the time, which is we put thermostats, digital thermostats, into all the operating rooms, and we created an algorithm that allowed us to say, okay, what's the patient's temperature, and what is the, um, do they have a warming blanket on, and therefore what is the temperature in the room to, that we need to do in order to keep the patient's um, temperature uh, at normothermia. And so phase one was just really intra-op during the case things that we did. And we actually had good effect. So we were able to increase the patients who were normothermic over the phase of that project. But there was a real cost to that, and the cost to that was staff satisfaction. You know, um, when we think about costs, I, obviously we think about financial costs, but I think another is sort of uh, efficiency, staff satisfaction, staff complaints. And we had a pretty significant complaints during that about being too warm and being uncomfortable in the room, which, does, which is important when you're talking about doing surgery over long hours. And so we went to phase two, and with that, we decided if we could get patients warmer before they came into the operating room, then could, would we maybe not lose as much ground in the operating room? And so we were able to add in pre-warming and uh, we pre-warmed with, again, forced air warming gowns, and they had uh, time in the pre-op area where they were sitting and getting ready for surgery, and we made sure they had those gowns on and that they were turned on and up with the temperature, so they came into the OR less cold than uh, they were previously. And that allowed us to maintain normothermia without actually having the temperatures in the room quite as high, and that has led to much greater staff satisfaction. And, it, you know, part of a quality improvement project and part of making sustainable change in a practice is to make sure that it is um, something that is acceptable to the people who are working in the operating room. Yeah, so it sounds like obviously uh, just achieving uh, the implementation of the initiative was quite quite an undertaking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the lessons I learned from this project and I think through other quality projects we've done here is the fact that it, it really is, you think in your head, you know, we want to just keep people warm, so I'm just going to turn the temperature up. And, it, and if you do that, it's not going to be um, systematic, it's not going to be sustainable. Instead, we really talked about how do we change the culture? How do we say, how do we get all the stakeholders? So our anesthesia doctors, our pre-op nurses, our post-op nurses, our nurses in the operating room, our techs, our surgical assistants, the OR staff, the house staff. How do we get everyone to say, number one, this is important, right? So we did a lot of teaching and a lot of lessons about how this was an important intervention, and this is why, because it's about our patients and it's about their well-being. And then if it's important, how do we do this in an effective way? And so we were able to make the changes and have sustainability with them without um, having dissatisfaction amongst our staff. And then now, with, uh, with regards to each of the phases, what, what were the results that you saw? 
Yeah, so in the first phase, we were able to, you know, our primary outcome was looking at rates of normothermia, which we define as a median temperature of 36.0 and above. And so we were able to increase our rate of normothermia in the first phase from 68% to 79%, which was significant. And then the second phase, we still had a slight increase. We went from 78% to 83%, and really that was no change statistically, but we actually had a uh, increase in staff satisfaction. So far fewer patients were rating the room as too hot or uncomfortably hot. And then now, as it pertains to the, the uh, strengths and the weaknesses of, of the study, um, certainly, can you speak to, to each of those? Yeah, so I think the strength of the study was really the quality improvement methodology. We use very classic methodology, including the MAIC, which is a framework that we um, have used for healthcare quality improvement before here at Mayo Clinic, and I think lots of people are familiar with it. Um, again, like I said, I think getting all the stakeholders involved and getting buy-in from the team and really framing it in the context of patient outcomes and saying, you know, we're going to do something, see how it goes, and then continue to improve on it. I, I think that's one of the lessons from quality improvement. And it was a large study, and we have a practice that is otherwise pretty, um, we're very uh, similar in our practice across the GYN surgeons. And so those, uh, we were able to demonstrate this benefit in a practice that is had a large number of patients and has a pretty defined enhanced recovery pathway and whatnot. Um, you know, I think some of the weaknesses is, you know, we were limited in our outcomes. You know, we, we looked at some morbidity, but, you know, what is a really big picture of normothermia? How does it fit into the rest of enhanced recovery? One of the things with bundled interventions in general is it's hard to piece out what is the part that's the most important. Um, and, and as we kind of continue, you know, we're in a control phase where we're continuing to make sure that people are kind of maintaining normothermia, but, you know, making sure that we can continue that change and continue the implementation, and then go into other specialties. And and actually, that 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 brings me to to my next question. It's uh, often when implementing these quality initiatives is the issue of sustainability and and, and maintaining compliance. And and uh, I think obviously, uh, it is something that we would all love to achieve. And and often, in the setting of the initial implementation. Uh, compliance tends to be very high, but over a long period of time, we may see a decline in that in that compliance. And I was just wondering, wh what are some of your strategies or the strategies at your institution to maintain that level of compliance from, you know, as you mentioned, the operating room staff, from the anesthesiologist, from your whole group to, you know, six months from now or a year from now still think normothermia is really important? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're absolutely right, um, and it's all about changing culture, right? I mean, I think that um, changing the culture about uh, around normothermia was the hardest part of this project, and really getting a lot of buy-in so that it was part of the discussion. You know, no one would argue that you know maintaining uh, good hemodynamics is important in the operating room. So how do we say maintaining normothermia is also important? 
So a lot of it was education and then continued education. So we have a safety and quality conference that the whole house of surgery, so across all the surgeons across Mayo Clinic participate in, um, normothermia and enhanced recovery and quality and quality improvement is a big part of that and continues to be. In the DMAIC framework, the last, the C, which is the end, is the control phase. So there are things that uh, we do within our group to sort of make sure that we're continuing to see sort of spot check normothermia throughout time. And I, and I think that's a really important part of quality improvement. It's not just about a one-time change and then you go. It's about continuing to assess, reassess, and educate. And then as a follow-up to that, um, not only in your department, but also in other departments, um, how have the results of this study implemented a change in, in practice? Or has your current practice now moving forward changed uh, based on, on the emphasis that has been placed on the importance of normothermia? Yeah, I mean, I think in the most simple way, it's like in the operating room, I think all of us who do surgery, you know, a couple hours into a long case, a lot of times you're, you're kind of warm and you say, can you turn down the temperature in the room? And before we do that, we ask about the patient's temperature because we know there's an algorithm. And those cards that, um, you know, we publish the sort of picture, that figure of the algorithm, those are in all our operating rooms. And everyone's on the same page with regards to uh, preheating, intraoperative heating of a patient and monitoring the patient's temperature. So um, I think that that is a big change in our practice, that we are, there is a recognition of the importance of normothermia. Um, and, and I think that's across, you know, I, I was pretty recently a fellow in this department, and so I, I had the opportunity to work with all the surgeons, really. And I think that was, I found that across the board, across um, all of the surgical teams, we found that. And then now, moving forward, um, what are your next uh, strategies and uh, what, what, are, what are in the plans for other uh, quality improvement initiatives? I, I know that obviously the Mayo Clinic has been uh, a leader in, uh, in enhanced recovery, and I was just wondering if there's uh, any, anything that you're working on now that, uh, that you love to share with us. Yeah, so I, there's a couple things. You know, we have been really working on survivorship, which is not so much about enhanced recovery, but I think it's a really part of our cancer continuum. And um, I specifically am interested in weight loss and in our endometrial cancer patients. But then I think the thing I'm most excited to talk about is that we are working on this idea of like uh, pre-ERAS, so not just enhanced recovery after surgery, but what ha happens before surgery and how do we get people in a better physiologic state going into the operating room. And so I do some research looking at things like frailty and sarcopenia and sort of poor aging, I guess, um, in our cancer patients and can there be interventions that prehabilitate patients um, and how does that work to get patients more prepared to go into the operating room and have less stability after I think that's kind of the next thing we're going to um, forge ahead with. Well, I want to thank you first for your uh, leadership and uh, certainly for um, the publication of, congratulations on the publication of this, uh, of this manuscript and, and, and most importantly for changing uh, culture in, uh, in such, a, such a big institution. Uh, it's been absolutely a pleasure, and thank you once again. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.